0: Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. So glad you made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Always glad to be able to know that you're joining us as a part of our congregation and church. Way to go, everybody. Uh, We are in a series called My Flippin' Family because no matter how great your family might be, every family is a little nuts. Every family is, I think. And it doesn't help that we are in the season of boredom, especially in Minnesota. January is terrible. The Vikings lost, so no dilly-dilly to that. Uh, February's got nothing but Valentine's Day, which is usually a disappointment. And you know, you've know, you seen just about every episode of, on HGTV at least twice, at least we have. So winter's tough on everybody. And today's message is called Love It or List It. Love it or list it because some of you are married or thinking of marriage, but you've got a sinking feeling. That maybe you made a mistake. Maybe instead of candlelit dinners, your shining knight now sits on the couch, elbow deep in a bag of Doritos every night, or she comes to bed with four layers of flannel. It's just brutal. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's too crowded in your marriage. Maybe you thought you were getting a spouse. But what you got was their whole wacky family. Maybe you don't know what it is, but you've drifted apart and you're actually wondering if you should love it or list it, if you should learn to love your spouse again or just kind of call it quits. Today I'm addressing the difficult topic of divorce because nobody plans on divorce, but it happens to half of all married couples. And while it's not the unforgivable sin, the losses associated with divorce are absolutely enormous. And if you think it can never happen to you, be careful of that. Uh, Several years ago, my wife and I enjoyed a day off walking the dog together and doing some things around the house. But around rush hour, we decided to go to Walgreens to get our passport photos taken, refreshed. But the problem with this particular Walgreens near White Bear Lake, Minnesota, is you can get into the parking lot, but you can't get out of it. I mean, one exit is one way, but if you go around the McDonald's by Tires Plus, you can exit either way, but it's almost impossible. I mean, you have to navigate about six different traffic patterns without getting T-boned or rammed from the guy behind you who should have been in anger management. And as I sat there, I began to sweat at this intersection trying to get out into traffic, and my wife and I had different opinions about which way to go, and we started to argue. She said, you should have gone that way. I said, that's the same way as this way, only this way is shorter. She said, I didn't mean that way. I meant around McDonald's. I said, I know what you meant. And it all ends up in the same place, only this way is shorter. And we did that the whole way home. We argued the whole way home, and we went from loving each other to having thoughts like, why did I marry this person? Or why do I feel like pushing this person out the door while the car is still moving? And about a mile from home, I thought, this is why people get divorced. (laughs) Divorce does not begin with an affair. Divorce begins at Walgreens. That's where divorce begins. (laughs) But then I had this thought. I thought, Bob, why don't you just apologize? Why don't you just drop it? Why don't you say you're sorry and move toward her with kindness? And the answer is, I didn't want to. I just, I didn't want to. I mean, there's a part of me that likes to argue and likes to fight instead of asking forgiveness. Even though I know those things lead to isolation and hurt, I sometimes actually choose to argue and fight instead of love and forgive. And it's just sin. It's sin that lives within me and every one of you. We're all sinners. But there, there is a crossroad when you get into an argument like that in every relationship, whether it's just with friends or with your spouse or whoever it is, there is a crossroad that you come to and you must make a choice to either move toward that person or further away from that person. Now, thankfully on that day, we moved toward each other. We didn't say anything. By the way, when you're in an argument like that, sometimes you don't have to say anything. You don't have to dissect everything. Why did, they, why did you say Why did you say Let's review everything. I mean, just drop it. Sometimes you just need to move toward each other, and that's what we did. We, we just stood in the kitchen. We hugged, didn't say a word, and that was the first step toward restoration. But I wonder today, how many of you are stuck at Walgreens? Or even let your emotions grow towards someone at work because unlike your spouse, you know, they pay attention to you, they notice you, they make you feel special. Gang, I can tell you, nobody suddenly wakes up one day and wants a divorce. It doesn't happen like that. A married woman doesn't suddenly want to leave her husband for another man. A married man doesn't suddenly just fall into bed with another woman. When a marriage ends... It doesn't happen in a single day. It dies from a 1,000 little wounds that go unnoticed until hearts that were once soft and warm grow cold and calloused. And I'm telling you, when a marriage dies, it's one of the saddest things in the world. I got an email a while back, and I think it describes how a lot of people feel. She writes, Bob, before we got married, it seemed like we had so much in common but now it doesn't seem like we agree on anything. She says, I feel ripped off. He feels the same. Last night he told me that he feels like he's the victim of a bait-and-switch scam. We are both bitter, we're angry. Do you think maybe the person God wanted me to marry is still out there somewhere? I'm constantly comparing him to others. All I know is that I'm deeply disappointed. I don't know what to do but I know I can't live like this. They didn't plan that. They were in love at one time. And I think most people want to go through life together with someone they love. Most people want to buy a home together, raise a family together, build memories, grow together as a loving family. The problem is many people are stuck at Walgreens and instead of doing what's necessary to restore their marriage, like forgiving each other, overlooking each other's faults, and pushing through hard times, they decide to do this. And, and you've heard this phrase, they decide to just follow their feelings. You ever heard that? Some people decide, just to, I'm just going to follow my feelings. But gang, can I tell you, feelings are terrible decision makers. If my wife and I made decisions based on how we felt, we would have been divorced a long time ago, a hundred times over. If we made decisions based on how we felt, I would rarely go to work if I made decisions based on how I felt. I would never exercise. I hate exercising. I would overeat all the time. I would overspend. I would never apologize because I have never felt like apologizing once in my life. You will never feel like apologizing. That's a choice. Behavior, if I made a decision, if I made decisions based on how I felt, I would be an unemployed, divorced, bald little man. (laughs) Because feelings are terrible, terrible decision makers, but that's how many people live their lives. I'm gonna follow my feelings. So in the few minutes we have today, I wanna touch on three realities. Cost of divorce, prevention, and recovery. Cost because the losses associated with divorce are so deep. I want to do my very best to urge you to do whatever you can to avoid it. Prevention because divorce can be prevented, but it takes a lot of work. Marriage is a lot of work every single day. And recovery because if you've already been through it, you don't have to live the rest of your life feeling like a failure. God loves you you've been divorced, you need to know God loves you. God is for you. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. But I want to talk about the cost for a little bit. There's a cost divorce, and I think what's dangerous in many relationships is that when you're in the middle of a bad marriage, you're really not thinking about the cost of the divorce because you're so tired of fighting you think anything would be better than this. Many people in a distressed marriage think if they could just get out of this thing, it would relieve the stress in their life and give them a fresh start. And that is often untrue. So what are the costs specifically? First of all, there's economic costs, and some of you know about this because you've been through it, especially for women. A study out of Harvard found that women with minor children suffer a 73% decline in their standard of living due to cost, lost income bearing the full load of housing, insurance, and expenses. So there's economic costs. There's emotional costs. Again, some of you have experienced this. Some of you are experiencing it right now. Last week, I sat in the office of one of our staff whose divorce hit him so hard that a year and a half later, the emotions and tears are still right there. He said, Bob, I had no idea how deep This would be, he said, you discover new layers of loss and pain every single day. Our divorce was fairly amicable, he said, but our feelings of resentment and hopelessness had gotten so big, you begin to think if we just end this, it'll get better. But he said, it's not always better. I deal with intense loneliness. He said, we liked the same TV shows. We ate together. We loved our dog together and had a history that no other person can replace. He said, even when things were at their worst, we, we actually, we still had each other. As he talked, you know, the tears came and I, I, I could see the sadness in his eyes. He said, I even sometimes miss the things that drove me nuts about her. But when it's so bad, you get into this fog where you think there's only one way out. And then he said this, Bob, please tell the people that it might be horrible right now, but fight through it. Get help. Give it one more year or two or three and trust that God will help you rediscover what you once had because what you end up losing, he said, is unimaginable. So there's emotional costs. And finally, there's family costs. And again, some of you know about this. Every once in a while in our own family, we'll talk about, what would it have been like if our marriage didn't survive? And we, we can barely contain that idea in our heads, and we're, we talk to the kids about this, and especially if I was the cause. If I had done something foolish or stupid or selfish, it would inflict a wound on my wife's soul that she would never recover from, and, and my own soul. It would shake our kids to the core. My son has told me that he respects me more than anybody on the planet. And a big part of that is my faithfulness to his mom, my wife. That'd be gone. It would shatter my daughter's heart in such a way she would never recover. Um, It would cause her to wonder if my own dad can't stay true. Can any man be trusted, including my own husband? I have this great relationship with my daughter, and I love her because she just really tells it like it is. And At one time, jokingly, uh, she said, uh, said, Dad, if mom dies first, you can't remarry because no one could ever take mom's place. And she said, there would be certain women who would want to marry you because they see you on stage and they think you're great. (laughs) And then she said, we all know you're not that great. And then kind of jokingly back, I, I said, Meg, wouldn't you want me to be happy? And she, this is what she said. She says, you have the dog. <laughs> You'll be fine. So if something happens to my wife, it's just me and the dog, I guess. But sometimes, sometimes I think people have this illusion that kids do better with a happier parent. And while that's true, sometimes parents think it would be better for us to get divorced because we're not happy. It'd be better for the kids. The data shows the opposite, that except for things like violence or abuse, kids do better when parents stay together, even when it's difficult. And and you have to understand my heart. I'm not trying to make anybody feel more guilty than you feel or worse than you feel. I'm I'm just trying to plead with those of you who think that divorce is the only way to free you of your problems because oftentimes it increases the problems. Now, I get it. I get it. Some of you are married to someone who is so messed up. Some of you are married to someone who is so angry and so vulgar and so abusive and drunk all the time that maybe you have to separate for a while to try to resolve that hard problem. I get it. But my prayer is that if there's any hope, that you'll keep trying, get help, pray pray for a miracle. God can do a miracle in your life and in your marriage. Pray, for, Because the costs are beyond what most people uh, can anticipate or control. It's why God in the Bible says this about divorce. He says, I hate it. I hate divorce, says the Lord. I hate a man covering himself with violence, As with a garment, he continues, he says, so guard yourself. God says, guard your life, guard yourself. Do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Has not God made them one in flesh and in spirit? They are his, and they are one. Understand, God loves divorced people, but he hates divorce. Because when two people come together in marriage and share the most intimate, private, sacred part of who they are with each other, the Bible says they actually become one in flesh and in spirit. There is this union, there is this fusing together of two lives, physically and spiritually. And when children are born, they bear the essence of that oneness that God designed for all families. It's why, it's why when divorce happens, it hurts so much. God equates divorce with violence. Bring that back up for me, would you? God equates it with violence. It's a violent act on the marriage and on the couple and on the family. He says, don't break faith. You know, don't break this up. So because the costs of divorce are so high, if you're engaged, if you're married or remarried or struggling in your marriage, what can you do to prevent divorce from happening or happening again. There's three things I want to touch on real quickly. Gang, you got to put God at the center. God has to be at the center of your marriage. You got to go to him. You got to trust him. You got to worship. And I'm so glad to see all of you here today and watching online, wherever you might be. That's a great step. You're, you're, it's, it's, it's a sign that you're, you're trying to find words from God and direction from God in your, in your daily life. And I'm so proud of all of you but keep God at the center. Last week, I interviewed five couples who'd been divorced, are now happily remarried, and every one of them said this to me, Bob, before my divorce, Jesus Christ was not a part of my life. Now he is, and that's the key. To a person, they said, having Jesus at the center of our marriage is the reason our marriage is working. I could show you a 1,000 verses in the Bible. I just wanna show you one. Moses says, says this, look, you have a choice. All of us do. I set before you life and death. It's your choice. Blessings or curses. Now, obviously, choose life. Make the choice for life so that you and your children and your family will live and prosper. How do you do this? Love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And I want to ask all of you, is that true in your life? Is the Lord your life? Is he the one you trust? Is he the one you go to? Is he the one you pray to? Do you read his love letter to you on a regular basis, the Bible? Is the Lord at the center of your life, whether you're single or married? Got to be number one, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and leader. Second way to prevent divorce is you got to make a commitment to this thing like no other commitment you've ever made. I like to say it like this. If you're married or remarried, you got to lock the exit door to your marriage and throw away the key. Because isn't this true? Anyone can fall in love. Anybody can fall in love. I fell in love with Diane Brown in fourth grade when I saw her ride her bicycle past my driveway. (laughs) Hadn't spoken a word to her. But I was in love, and then right after that, I I fell in love with Kathy, Joyce, Dawn, and Carlene, just fall in love all over the place. anybody, Anybody can fall in love, but that is not marriage. Marriage is a commitment to stay in love. I fell in love with Laurie Thompson in high school, but during our first year of marriage, Some of you know, we, we fought so much in our first year of marriage. It was mainly my fault. We fought so much, we did not feel love. We felt anger, we felt bitterness and resentment, but we did not feel love. But love is not primarily a feeling, love is a behavior love is a choice. I've never felt like forgiving someone. Love is for choosing to forgive. It's a behavior. Love is a commitment that says, for better or for worse, we're going to find a way to get through this. And I'm telling you, in our marriage, in our first year, that single commitment, not a feeling, that single commitment saved our marriage and gave us the time we needed to work through Our problems. So if you go into marriage thinking, if this doesn't work, we'll just split up, it's not gonna work. Because every single marriage has problems. What you need to say is this this is really bad right now, but divorce is not an option. Divorce is off the table. We can't split up because we locked the exit door to our marriage, we threw away the key. We don't even know where the key is. So our only option is to get help, figure this out, and find a way to rediscover what we once had. Jesus said it this way, what God has brought together, what God has brought together, God is involved in this, let nobody, not you, not your spouse, let nobody separate this, hoping that with God's help, you will restore your marriage. Again, there's exceptions. The Bible says if there's adultery or abandonment or severe abuse, divorce is permissible. But 80% of those who get divorced say they regret it and would remarry their former spouse if given the chance. They just bailed too soon. So you gotta commit and lock the exit door. Final way to prevent divorce, you gotta eliminate all other temptations. So key. Eliminate all our temptations because when people encounter problems in their marriage, they often begin looking outside their marriage for intimacy, for warmth. And I'm telling you, if you start doing that, if you're married, if you start looking outside your marriage for intimacy, that's trouble. You are one touch, one hug, one text away from destroying your marriage. And no, no one's immune to this. Job said it this way. Because of this, this risk, Job made a covenant with his eyes. He says, I made a covenant to never look lustfully. So I don't trust even my eyes. I'm not even going to look lustfully at another woman. Proverbs says it this way. Anyone who goes near her door is doomed. Don't even get near it. Sometimes I'll stand in front of our staff of 300 staff, and I'll draw a big line on the chalkboard. i just draw a single line down the middle, and I'll say, gang, here's the line. Don't even get near it if you're married, because if you get near that line, your emotions will almost always override your intellect. Your emotions will kick in, and I've seen smarter people than me cross that line and destroy their marriage. You might not believe this. You might not believe this, but the secret to increasing or restoring the intimacy in your marriage. You ready for this? Here's the secret. Eliminate all other temptations and focus exclusively on each other. And some of you are saying, you gotta be kidding me. Bob, you don't know who I'm married to. And you're right, I don't. And, I, and by the way, we're, we're all sinners. Have I said that before? We all are. We all have issues that we have to work through and get through. And I know some of it is very severe and, and you need counseling and help. But I'm telling you, the way you restore intimacy and warmth and that thing that you once had, you've got to eliminate all other temptations, all other options, all other people with regard to the sexuality part, and focus exclusively on each other. This is the lie of pornography, by the way. Pornography does not intensify one's desire for their spouse. Pornography deadens the desire for one's spouse. Pornography is actually a form of adultery. It's a form of cheating on your spouse that will, here it is, will destroy every relationship you have if you're viewing pornography, especially your marriage. I'm praying for those of you who are caught up in this. You've got to stop, it's, it's, it's a spiritual battle in your life. You've got to get free of this because God will not honor that. It will destroy every relationship you have. By the way, I love this verse. It's this one of my favorite verses, Song of Solomon. And uh, they're talking about their marriage. And she, she says these words to Solomon that are just incredible. She invites him to come to her. They've been married many years. And she says, at our door is every delicacy. Now, she's not talking about fine chocolate here. Okay, th- This is incredibly sensuous. At our door, she says to her husband, is every delicacy. And she says, the new as well as the old. And I can imagine Solomon thinking, man, I wonder what's going to be new. But she says this so tenderly, the new as well as the old. She says, so I've stored these new and old delicacies up for you, my lover. It means they've been married for many years and the kids are gone, thank God. Because kids are just, they get in the way of this area. They've been married many years, but he says they, they've discovered new ways among the old ways of enjoying and satisfying each other. I think he's trying to say that great sex begins at 60. Can I say that in church? I mean, so I've been told, okay? I mean, it just, he's saying that there's, there's, but here's what I want you to know. You've got to get past these frustrating, confusing, jealousy years, you know, the first years in marriage, and it's just like, ah, what's going on? We can't connect it, you know, and there's this, this, just this frustration. But he says, look, if you can get past that, you'll discover new as well as old ways that are waiting for us to discover, but the key is you gotta eliminate all other options and focus on each other so you can finally get to a place in life that is so good and so safe and so considerate that you would never even consider looking elsewhere. Gang, if you're struggling right now, can I tell you, it gets better. It does, but you gotta fight through. But now a word about restoration, because many of you have lost your marriage. Maybe it happened years ago, but you still battle feelings of failure and shame. For some of you, it's feelings of bitterness and anger because it wasn't your fault. Somebody walked out on you. Somebody cheated on you, maybe even 10, 20 years ago, and you still feel that cut, that pain. I want to show you a verse that I've been praying all week long that every single person who's hearing these words, whether you're married or not, would let these verses let this verse sink so deeply into your soul that you'll begin living this verse every single day. You ready for it? This is for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who have made the commitment to follow Christ. Jesus says the old life is gone. Isn't that a beautiful statement? The old life of sin and shame and divorce and failure, it's gone in Jesus Christ. That old life is gone doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. If you've put your faith in Christ, the old life is gone, and the new life of forgiveness and healing and joy has come. King Jesus has paid for all of our sins, all of our failures, all of our divorces, if we've done that, all of our anger and shame. It's paid in full, so you don't have to pay any more Ten. The old life is gone. For those of us who are in Christ, it's beautiful. The old life is gone. The new life has come. The five couples I mentioned earlier have found that reality. They are living in this new life of forgiveness and healing. In fact, we interviewed one of them this past week. Sue Martin is one of my heroes. And she's in this church, and she and her husband, Fred, are just great friends of ours. And they lead divorce care over at the Woodbury campus. And we have divorce care in all of our campuses. But I want you to hear her words about how she went through divorce and gained healing through Christ. Here's Sue and then I'll come back up and close.
1: I know what it's like to feel alone, to feel not valued, and to feel like you're in a marriage separately from the other person. And I know that it's very painful. And I know that it sometimes can feel really hopeless. In 1997, after 25 years of marriage, my husband and I got a divorce. I was really angry and very sad and just wanted to give up. I just could not work at it any longer. I felt like I'd given everything that I had, and I just could not continue. I have three boys, and they were 12, 14, and 18 at the time that we had our separation. I was definitely worried about them. They didn't want to get caught in the middle, but I think they felt that way many times. My third son did have a lot of struggles. He was only 12. I really think he took the toll for all of the other boys. Even after all these years, I have prayed every single day and every single night, asking God to help him heal to the point where we can have a healthy relationship. God hates divorce, and I know that it leaves scars within us, but God is a loving God and a forgiving God, and there is redemption. After my separation, my youngest sister and her husband had just been invited to Eaglebrook, so they invited me to come and visit. Uh, I just could not get enough, so uh, I just was so excited about this new experience. And a couple weeks later, I was at church, and in the little bulletin that they handed out at that time, it showed that they were gonna be offering a divorce care group. Divorce care is absolutely amazing, and a big part is focusing on hope and healing. I felt so convicted with every topic um, of how badly I dealt with many of those areas. And I told myself at that time that I couldn't change what I had done, but I would hope that this would help me help others to do things in a better way. I never intended to get married again. I really did not have that as a personal goal. So for about 10 years, I didn't really date. Then I got connected to Fred. He had been divorced too. And uh, we started dating and then eventually we got married. And we have a very peaceful, loving, caring marriage. It doesn't mean that there aren't ever struggles, because every marriage is gonna give you some struggles, but we work them through. And it's a joy to be able to be the authentic people that you are and still be loved, and have the kind of fun that we have in our life. And we are both very blessed. those that have gone through divorce or are going through a divorce i just want to say there is hope there is a bright future god loves you with his whole heart he loves you just the way you are and he accepts you just as you are
0: them. Fred will always say, Jesus Christ, though, is the key. Without him, there's no hope. And he says it every time. And I tell him, Fred, keep saying that because that's so true. I don't know what your marital marital status is today. Some of you have great marriages and it's the joy of your life. Your family loves being around you and you inspire us. I'm just so proud of of you. It's work, isn't it? It takes work. And a lot of forgiveness. Every day, gotta forgive something. So way to go. Some of you, though, are sitting here today and you lost your marriage. And I, I hope, I hope you've heard God's truth say to you that I still love you. There's forgiveness. And in Christ. The old life of failure and shame can be gone. Through Jesus, all sins are forgiven, even the sin of divorce. There's still the pain that lingers and so forth, but the old life is gone, the new has come, and I pray that you'll receive that today if you've gone through this. But all week long, I've been praying for those of you who are on the edge And you're teetering close to giving up. And I just hope that you heard something today. Maybe that you'll pray for a miracle. That you'll give it another try. That you'll seek help. That you'll just say, okay, God, this looks impossible. But with you, all things are possible. I got a note just last night from from someone. And she writes this please pray for my marriage. It's suffering greatly. Only a miracle will save it. And I know it will take a miracle for some of you. And so that's what I want to do is just pray. Just stay seated at all campuses. We'll close real quickly. I just want to pray for all of you who are struggling right now. And if you'd bow with me, we'll close out. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, that you can do miracles. And I pray for a 100 miracles, a 1000 miracles, whatever it takes, God, I pray that you would do miracles in the lives of marriages that are struggling right now. I know it's hard. I know it seems impossible. I know there's anger and resentment and bitterness and not knowing where to where to start that, God, you can break through. I also pray for those who have been through divorce. God, I just pray for your healing touch and uh, a new life because you still have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Thank you for that. We pray all these things, Father, in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Have a great, great day. God bless.